Good morning. Welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. So glad to have you with us today, whether you're here in person, worshiping in our traditional space, or joining us online, or joining us from upstairs in our modern uh, worship service. We're glad to have different ways to worship together, but to be one church and hear one message from our one and only God. And again, we're glad that you're here today. Um, Disney and Pixar Studios have done a really good job with their Toy Story franchise where they show what toys would be like if they were able to come alive. Uh, and, uh, and they all want to be played with and chosen, and it's really sweet. Um, what I'd like to see is a movie about other products that we use on a day-to-day -day basis to see if they would be pleased with what they were created for. For example, if you're walking down the aisle at Lowe's or Home Depot uh, and you're looking for a box of light bulbs, if light bulbs could talk or you could hear what they have to say, you know, sitting there on the shelf saying, ooh, pick us, pick us, pick us. We want to be used, right? We've been created to be used. And you grab a box of light bulbs, you bring them home, and you unscrew uh, the one light bulb that's not working. You get a new one out of the pack, and I can just see the excitement of the light bulb saying, woohoo, I get to do what I've created to do. And as the light bulb's coming up and the old one's coming down, maybe the old one kind of nods at him, and the, and the new one says, thank you for your service. And the old one's like, you're welcome, you know, and passing the torch and, you know, screwing in the light bulb. And, and then the, the light switch goes off and gives light to the room. Yes! This is what I've created, been created to do, and I'm so excited to be able to shine light in, into this room. You know, you, you think about a, a pair of uh, tennis shoes sitting on, on a shelf, and you see a, a family come in, and, you know, some boys and girls, and their mom and dad, and then the shoes are saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. And, you know, one of the childs takes that box of shoes, goes home and laces up and goes out in the driveway to play basketball and the shoe's like, yes, this is what I was created to do. I, I'm so glad to bring joy to this little boy, to this little girl. And I, I think that'd make a pretty good movie. And then I think there are certain products that might be kind of on the edge. You know, you go to the store and a box of Q-tips says, hey, pick us, pick us, pick us, you know, and you, you pull back that, uh, that cardboard opening of the, of the package and pick up a Q-tip and the Q-tip's like, yeah, I'm getting ready to go in, I'm getting ready to do what I'm doing. They stick it in your ear and you get all that wax, you know, it's like, wow, really? Uh, okay, I guess this is what I was created to do and y'all forgive me for where I'm going next, you know where it's going. <laughs> Going down that grocery store aisle, you grab a big old package of toilet paper, <laughs> take that back home to the bathroom and put it on the, on the dispenser there. And my question would be, at what point does the toilet paper say, yes, I'm getting ready to be chosen to, oh no, no one ever told me this is what I was created to do, take me back, right? That'd be a horror movie maybe, I don't know. What were you created to do? Why are you here? Not just here in this room or online or upstairs, but what is your purpose in life? And are you living into that? Do you find meaning from your life, what you do and how you interact with other people? Not just with what you get paid to do, but with what you do with your time and your talent and your treasure. Why are you here? What meaning do you have in your life? We've talked a little bit about the great resignation in which uh, over the past couple of years, people are quitting their jobs in record numbers in American history. And some of them are just tired of being paid a low wage for hard work and they want to see if they can do better than that. But others are saying that they're quitting their jobs because their jobs are just not meaningful. 
They don't feel like they're making a contribution to society. And we've realized with the pandemic that life is really short. And we want to do something with our time and our energy to make a difference. And so people are looking for new ways to do that. So today as we think about escape room, escaping from something in our life that, that's bringing us down, today I want us to think about can we escape from a meaningless life? Can we escape from a meaningless life? How do we find meaning and purpose in our lives knowing that God created us with gifts and abilities to make the world a better place? How do we escape feeling that our lives are absent of meaning? Well, today we're going to go into the Bible to, to get some help in that. And we're going to be somewhere in the range of 400 to 500 years before Jesus was born. That's a long time ago. And so we're going to go to the book of Esther in the Old Testament. Uh, and what's going on is there was a man named Xerxes who was the king. He was from Persia, and he ruled most of the Middle East. And he decided to invite all the different rulers from the regions that he rolled to his capital and he threw a 180-day kind of whirlwind tour showing off his power and his wealth to all of these people that served under him. At the end of that time, he threw a, a seven-day party, a, a party of just a lot of drinking and all kinds of carousing to celebrate his power and his majesty. And, and, and in the midst of that, he wanted to show off his wife, Vashti, who was a beautiful queen, and so in a drunken, I guess, stupor, he sent for his wife Vashti and invited her to come and to be presented kind of like as a trophy in front of all of these people who gathered from around the world. And she did the unthinkable. She refused. She said, I'm not going to do that. Right? You all got to realize this is thousands of years before women had rights like they do now. And, and she was risking her life by doing that. She said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And made the king, King Xerxes, so angry that he decided, what can I do to, to punish her? What would be the worst thing that I could do to her? And what he landed on was that he was going to expel her, to banish her from the kingdom, not to kill her, but to cast her out to where she'd have no authority, no wealth, no nothing. And she'd be on the street as a beggar, and so that's what he did. And so then he issued a decree across his kingdom saying, I need a new queen, and so we want all the eligible young virgins in the in the kingdom to come and I will, I will view them and I will, I will select the top ones and then I'm going to send them into a year's worth of beauty treatments to come back before me and I will choose my queen. Interesting guy. Probably not the guy that you would want your daughter or granddaughter to marry even though she could be a queen. So in the midst of the kingdom, there was a man named Mordecai who was a Jewish person, a follower of, the, of God, uh, the people of Israel and he had adopted his young uh, cousin, Esther, uh, when her parents died and raised her as his own daughter. And Mordecai hears about this decree that's happening in the capital, and so he thinks, well, maybe I should take Esther there. And so he does, you know. And so, you know, you wonder what's in Mordecai's head. Is this, hey, uh, this is a great opportunity for my, my cousin, my, kind of like my daughter, to become queen. She could do powerful things or... You know, the skeptic in, in us probably says, what are you trying to human traffic your cousin? Like, why would you want her to go be married to this, this king guy? But anyway, Esther goes, and, uh, and she gets the king's attention. She makes the first cut in all of this. 
Uh, and then so she has a whole year where she has to be going through these beauty treatments, and she does that for a whole year. And then she and, you know, the others who made the first cut uh, come, and they parade before the king, and he chooses Esther to be his bride and to be his queen. And Mordecai had told her, now don't tell him who you are, like your lineage, that you're Jewish, right? We, we want to keep that on the down low. And so she, she didn't do that. So after all this happened, a couple of interesting things happened in the book of Esther. So one of them is that Mordecai hears that these guys are plotting to kill the king, and, and he intervenes and saves the king's life, and the king appreciates that. But then he kind of forgets Mordecai. Then uh, the king also has his second in command, a guy named uh, Haman, who liked for people to bow down in, in front of him because he was second in command of all this big region and this, this kingdom. But Mordecai would never bow down to Haman, and it made him so mad that he wanted to get even with Mordecai because Mordecai was not going to bow down to anybody but God, and so Haman was upset about that. And so he went to the king and kind of tricked the king to not only punish Mordecai, but to, to write a command that on a certain date in the future that Mordecai and all the Jewish people, all the people of Israel scattered throughout the kingdom of the Middle East would be killed because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman. Now that is some hate, isn't it, right? He's going to kill all of the people who were Jewish, all the people of Israel have been scattered around the kingdom because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. So this is where we're catching up to the story that we're going to read today. And so Mordecai sends a message to Esther and says, you've got to do something about this. You have got to intervene. You need to talk to your husband, right? You, you've got to do something about this. But she was scared because this king, we have seen, makes some harsh decisions. And if you approach the king and he hasn't invited you, then he can have you killed. And she has not been invited to go to speak to him. So let's look at what happens uh, in Esther chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. This is Esther talking back to Mordecai. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. It's been a month since the king has invited me to go. If I go, I could die. Right? You know what he did to the last queen. Let's keep going with the next verse. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. You're going to die too, Esther. Let's go to the next slide. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. This is the verse that Esther's really famous for. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Maybe this is why you became the queen. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. Fast and pray. We have a big decision here. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's a brave act by Esther, who was at first resistant, right? I could die if I go, right? Mordecai's like, you gotta, you gotta go. You have no other choice. Maybe this is why you became queen, right? To be able to do this. So she says, well, let's fast and let's pray. 
and then I will go to the king. If I die, I die, but I have to do this for my people. I have to do this for my cousin. I have to do it for all the Jewish people all around this kingdom. If I don't speak, then they could be in major trouble. So I encourage you to go and read the rest of the book of Esther. It's fascinating. I'm, not, I'm going to tell you what happens, but uh, some of you know, and some of you that might be hearing this for the first time, Esther goes to the king, uh, and he extends the golden scepter to her, allows her to speak. She tells him what's going on. And, and so he has Haman killed, and he elevates Mordecai, and the people are saved, right? And so Esther, right, has just done this brave act, being available to serve God in this powerful way is an amazing story. Now, one interesting thing about the book of Esther is nowhere in the book of Esther does it say God, the word God. And because it doesn't say God, it almost didn't make it into the Bible, right? Why would you put a book in the Bible that's about God that doesn't say God in the Bible, right? So where is God in the book of Esther? I think that's an operative question that we need to ask ourselves. And I think a lot of us point to what Mordecai said to Esther. Maybe the whole reason you became queen was so that you could be in this place at this time to save the people. That you would be available to take advantage of your position and your power to risk your life, yes, but to be available to serve God. So a lot of people point to that, and I think that also is where God is at work here. But I also wonder if God wasn't also working on Mordecai's heart. Like, Why would you take your cousin, who's like your daughter, to have a chance to be married to a king who was so clearly evil in what he did with his former queen, either you don't care a lot about your daughter slash cousin Esther, or God has put something on your heart to where I think I need to take Esther and let her possibly become queen. I also think God, this is just me personally, maybe, you know, I'd love to talk to you about it after the, the message today. I think God also was working on Mordecai's heart to get Esther in that position. So I think Mordecai and Esther both were available to the tug of the Holy Spirit, right? I think that's where God's working. I think we see God at work in another couple of places here. I think that we see that God shows us here in the book of Esther the two most important things in life are these, right? One is relationships. The most important thing in our lives are relationships. We've been created to be in a relationship with God and with other people, right? And so what's important for Esther was her relationship to save Mordecai and to save her family and all the Jewish people in the whole world there in the Middle East, right? So relationships are important. And I think that the next most important thing that, that we learn from Scripture is that we were created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. You and I have been created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we are put on this planet to make the world a better place. Esther was created to save her people. Right? That's a big deal. You and I have been created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, where we work, where we go to school, what we do through this church. We plug into things together to bring our time and our talents and our treasures together to make a difference in the world because we all have been given gifts just like Esther. We've all been given position and power just like Esther. We might not be on the same level as her as like the ruler of a nation, but God has gifted all of us with unique gifts and abilities to make a difference in the world, right? So 
we celebrate here at our church, some of our core values are relationships, right? And transformation, That's, we believe that God's in the transformation process, right? God helps us heal from the brokenness in our lives and we're called to help other people who are broken in the world to be healed by God in their lives. And we do that through being generous with all that we've given, our time and our talents and our treasures. Now, I think there is a misunderstanding, though, as we think about living a life that is full, right, full of relationships, full of transformation, being a part of something bigger than ourselves, full of generosity. I think sometimes we equate a full life to a full calendar, that if, if we're not busy, we're not making a difference, right? And, and I think to some level that's true, right? We've got to be out in the world doing things, but I don't think that a full calendar necessarily equates to a life to the full. Because sometimes we fill our lives through so much stuff that it's not really making a difference. We're just wasting our time. Right? I can sit down on my phone or my computer and play games, and three hours later I look up and, where did three hours go when I could have been helping somebody, right? I mean, we can all do that in our lives. And so just because we're busy or our calendars are full doesn't necessarily mean that we're using our time in the best way possible. And so I would just invite you to think about with the time that you have, right, Quantity is important, but I think quality is even more important. How am I spending my time? How am I using my talents? What am I plugging into to be a part of something bigger than myself? Is it making a difference in this world, or am I just sitting around playing on my phone for hours? Right? I think quality is a little more important than quantity as we think about being part of something bigger than ourselves. And of course, we who follow Jesus... Uh, or who are thinking about following Jesus, or here wrestling or trying to figure out who this Jesus is, right? We get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. The Bible teaches us that until Jesus comes back again in the physical form, right, that the church, you and I, are the body of Christ in the world. That when people want to see Jesus, they're supposed to look to us, and we're supposed to show them Jesus through our teachings and through our actions. And, and that's a high responsibility, and the Bible says that the church is kind of like a body, that some of us are the eyes and some of us are the nose, some of us are the arms, some of us are the heart, some of us are the blood, some of us are the lungs. We all play a role. If we were by ourselves, we couldn't do much, but when we come together, we can do much together, right? Or to get back to my original uh, example, some of us are light bulbs, right? And some of us are Q-tips. And some of us sometimes feel like the toilet paper, but we're still making a difference, right? So we all have a special and a unique role to play in the church. Uh, and in scriptures, Pastor Lindsay reminded me of this as I was getting ready to talk about this today. The scriptures tell us that there's so much that we can do for each other. There are these verses that say, like, love one another you can insert the blank one there. Nathan, can you bring that, that, that slide? Here's just a few of them. Love one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Build up one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Right? There's like 59 different one another's. Right? These are the ways, simple ways, that we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. But maybe you're like me. I'd love to be part of something bigger than myself. So I'd love to advance the kingdom of God. But what does that look like in everyday life, right? Well, how can I do that? We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do, I want to, th I want to think about what's my point today? What, what do I think that we're learning from the book of Esther? You know, the so what moment. So what does this mean for us? What, how do we, what do we take away from this? This is what I think it is today, right? The best ability is availability. 
the best ability is available. Well, well, can I advance the kingdom of God? How can I be a part of something bigger than me? It's just little on me, right? And I think we look at Esther, right? The best ability is that she was available, right? She was available to go and, and get placed in this role of queen. She was available to go and speak to her husband, the king. She was available, right? She made herself available. She could have said, no, Mordecai, I'm not going to do this. I'm, that's going to risk my life. I, I know the king won't kill me. You'll kill everybody else, right? But what did Esther do, right? I'm going to do it. If I perish, I perish, right? Esther made herself available to God in the midst of her circumstances, and God used her to do powerful things. In your life, where God has placed you, right, with gifts and abilities and talents and, uh, and financial means, right, how can you be available to advance God's kingdom in the world today as a teacher, as a lawyer, as a banker, right, as a custodian? Whatever you do, Right? God is ready to use you to make the world a better place. You just have to be willing and available to step into whatever God's calling you to do. And usually it has to do with your, your skill sets, your gifts and abilities. So here's an action item that I invite you to think about doing next week. Right? So to plug into a South Park Church ministry. Right? If you want to know how to help advance the kingdom of God where we live, plug into one of our ministries. Today when you came in, you should have been handed a couple of pieces of paper, right? And if not, you can get these on the way out. Uh, and they're on the tables outside of both sanctuaries. Uh, we're going to send this out in our newsletter if you're watching online today. And we also have these in the crossroads space uh, out where coffee and donuts are. It's right on the other end of the coffee and donuts, same table, right? So this simply one of the sheets lists everything that you can do in the life of our church, uh, and that includes things from children's ministry to students' ministry to congregational care to engaging our neighbors here in South Park to, to serving people who are in need, feeding the hungry, uh, all sorts of things. Everything that we're working with refugees, helping people in Haiti, it's all here, right? And then there's another sheet that says, what are you interested in, right? There's two boxes that you can check. One, I'm doing this already, or two, I would like more information, right? So I would just invite you to prayerfully over the next week or so, take this home, think about it, pray about it, and ask God, where can you use me in the life of South Park Church? Because just like a body, right, you might be the eye or the arm or the leg that we're missing that might be holding back our ministry. All of you have something to offer God in our community here, and we would love to have you plugged in. And so we want to make that available. And so when you feel led to fill this out, you can, you can turn it in either one of the boxes in the back of our sanctuaries or the basket in the crossroads on the second floor. If you're watching online, you just wait for our newsletter this week and you can do it online. So lots of ways for us to plug in to know that we are making a difference in the life of our community and our church and that God has use for us. The best ability is availability. Are you available to serve God. The very first church I, that I served as a pastor, uh, I, I love visiting around in the church and getting to know folks. It was in a rural setting uh, in Caldwell County. And um, I went to see this one family and the husband and wife had recently retired. Uh, they're blue collar workers and they were really just tired of working. And so they also had family, they had grown children and uh, even adult grandchildren who were in the church. They were part of our church family. Um, but 
the mother, the grandmother figure, uh, when she stopped working, she came home to her house, and she literally stopped doing everything. She wouldn't come to church. She didn't spend a lot of time with her family. She no longer had a job to go to to punch a clock and, you know, and, and find some kind of meaning in doing that. And so soon after she retired, her health started going downhill, and her adult children and her husband had to care for her as caretakers, and their health started going downhill, and pretty soon she died. And there's a lot going on there. It's very complex, and, you know, in the medical situation and all that, but I, to this day, believe in my heart that the reason that she had such a quick decline and helped her other family get into a lot of physical trouble themselves caring for her was because she totally just stopped living life. She didn't have a purpose to get up for in the morning. She, she didn't have somewhere to go and, and be important to, to play a role. She stopped coming to church. She kind of distanced herself from her family. And so without a meaning in her life, she just withered away and died. And she impacted negatively the people around her who loved her trying to take care of her. It was just, it was heartbreaking to see as a young pastor, right? So important for us throughout our lives to have meaning, to have a purpose, to know why we're here and to use our gifts to make the world a better place. And so I don't want you to, to have the same fate that she had. But then I contrast that with so many of you who are here at South Park Church who are either retired or still working and have families and jobs and busy lives and yet you make time to be a part of the ministries of this church to literally feed hungry people, to, to feed people spiritually, our children and our students and our adults through small group ministries or to, or to go out to the schools that we partner with or the, the refugees that we, we are in ministry with or even go the, to all the way to Haiti and around the world to do things. And it just, it amazes me of your dedication of your time and your talent and your treasure. Right? You give so much to God here and I just, I see how that impacts the world and it also gives you joy in your life. I was talking to one of the retired members in our church who very successful in the business world and uh, was telling me how he uh, and his family really like to pursue the life to the full that we, we preach and teach about here at South Park Church because Jesus said that he came to give us life to the full. He said, Kyle, I've, we, we've discovered that. And it's real that, that when we put God first, we have time for God, we have time for our family, we have time for each other. And I love serving God in this church with the gifts that God has given me. This is a person who helps us with some of the business things in the, in the life of the church that I didn't go to school for, right? And so uh, just as a huge help. It's like a place for me to plug in my gifts to serve God in this church. And my life is balanced. And I have found life to the full. And I'm grateful. That's the story that I want for all of you. To know that God has created you with gifts and abilities that that maybe that's the only thing that you can do is you for us here at this church and, and we're missing it without you. And some of you are using those skills for God. And so I just want you to encounter a life that is full that includes relationships, genuine relationships with people that you care about and being a part of something bigger than yourself. So if you're an eye, look for Jesus. If you're an arm, work for Jesus. If you're a leg, like walk for Jesus. If you're a light bulb, shine for Jesus. If you're a Q-chip, get some of that wax out for Jesus, right? The best ability is availability. Be available for God. Be a part of something bigger than yourself.
and escape an empty life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To those of you who are worshiping with us up in the modern space, we turn that back over to you uh, for your closing uh, music, and we'll see you in the crossroads. To those of you who are online today or with us in the room, uh, let's pray together. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you that you have given us gifts and abilities, Lord, to make the world a better place. That we, like Esther, Lord, are in a specific position, right, with abilities and access to people, Lord, and that you are ready to use us to help other people. And so today, God, just help us to know what talents that we have, what gifts that we have, Lord, and, and how can we use those to, to make the world a better place through our work and through our school, Lord, through our, our neighborhood, in our families, and especially, God, through our church, that, that you say that we're the body of Jesus in the world until he comes again in the flesh. And Lord, that's an awesome responsibility. And we might not feel up to the task, Lord, but no task is too small, no task is too large, Lord. If you have called us to it, you will equip us for it. And so God, I pray that everyone here and watching online, Lord, would just search their hearts and, and look at the opportunities to serve you through this church that they would talk to us, Lord, and, and that you would search our hearts and help us align with one ministry area where we can make a difference in the world. God, help us, like Esther, to be available to you with the gifts that you've given to us. Help us, like uh, those that I mentioned today who are in our church, who are finding life to the full by being in a loving relationship with you and with other people, and have found a way, God, to make a difference with the gifts and abilities that you have given them. God, help us to live full lives in you, escaping the emptiness that sometimes we feel. Fill us, Lord. We are here, ready, and available for you. In Christ's name.